All right, well, this morning is uh, Palm Sunday, and uh, the title of the message is a, the, king of, the King Arrives. And I had a couple of different messages. The King Arrives, or a new king, a new kind of king. But anyhow, we begin at Matthew chapter 21. And as we look at this, we'll be looking at the verses and going through them. Matthew 21, verse 1, And when they drew nigh to Jerusalem, so as we said, we know that this is Palm Sunday, and we will find it out why we'll find out later why we call it Palm Sunday. So, in case you're unfamiliar, this Sunday was uh, before the crucifixion, the week before the crucifixion. To understand the events of that day, we must try to realize how rapidly the events of this week are transpiring. The religious rulers thought it was a very dangerous time. They found, they felt that it was a, Jesus and his followers were creating a dangerous situation. And that they were continually trying to, well, they were continuing to try and uh, prevent it from unfolding. So the excitement, though, for the nation of Israel and for all the people who had journeyed to Jerusalem, there were certain holidays that um, people from around the then known world would come to make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Well, this was one of those times in which the crowds in Jerusalem would, you know, multiply many times over as to, how, as to the normal individuals who lived there. And so the excitement then was rising uh, among the crowd who had come there for Passover. They had come from the, all the world, and many of them had heard of Lazarus being risen from the dead. So that created a new excitement for the people. And they were remembering and the, um, the, the Passover and the national pride that they had when Moses had given them the, the um, Passover celebration in which the angel of death had passed over the homes that had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of the homes in Egypt. That is what Passover is referring back to when the blood of the lamb was applied to the children of Israel, to their homes, the angel of death passed over their homes, and all those who didn't have the blood upon their homes, the firstborn of that household would die, and also of their flocks. And so that's, where, that's how Passover originated, and then there was to be this celebration of Passover so that the people who lived many generations would not forget it. So, so they felt that with this national pride and remembering how God had delivered them from Egypt and how the God had promised the Messiah and, you know, a deliverer, and they seemed to always be finding themselves under someone's occupation. And this, at this time, it was the Roman occupation. And to the officials of Jerusalem, it felt like the raising of Lazarus would be the event that would light the fuse that would blow up Jerusalem and allow there's just riots to break for, break out and rebel against the Romans and pushing for a Messiah to come. And they, of course, they thought it would be Jesus. Well, as we prepare for that, we want to maybe back up one day. And so it's Saturday. And Saturday, the rulers had made up their minds, and we've read this before, the rulers had made up their mind that Jesus is becoming too powerful. He's becoming too influential. Raising the dead was just too much. We've got to stop this guy. So, you know, okay, raising the dead 
you've got to kill the guy who raises people from the dead. You know, it makes no sense. It, you know, it, it just, it, if they had any consciousness of, of the, the reality of a Messiah, if they had any consciousness of what their expectations were, they should have been celebrating Jesus. But of course, they were so fixated on their laws and regulations and how that if Jesus came and took away the sacrificial system, it would destroy the whole structure of Judaism. So the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they couldn't let this happen. So they got together and they decided they needed to kill Jesus and Lazarus because they were just too powerful. I mean, what do you do with a guy who raises people from the dead and a guy who's been dead for four days comes back to life? What do you do with them? Let's kill them. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make any sense. But they were willing to sacrifice these two people for the good of the city and the good of Jerusalem. Because if there was a riot, what would happen? The Romans, there was a Roman garrison there in Jerusalem and right next to the temple. And if they rioted against Rome, Rome would come with more soldiers and, and they would you know, put down the uprising and many people would be killed and those religious leaders who were wanting to rule Jerusalem, well, they would lose their position. So um, Jesus kept all these things. In. It wasn't like Jesus was caught off guard. Some, you know, read where people thought that, well, Jesus, this was totally caught him off guard that they were going to kill him. No, he knew this. He knew what was going on, and he, had, he, he was aware of all the things that were happening. It didn't catch him off guard. He was aware. So in chapter 21, verse 1, the second part of it, and were come to Bethpage. So they had come to Jerusalem. They were coming on their way to Jerusalem, and they were near to come to Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find the ass tied and the colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. Well, when they drew nigh to Jerusalem, uh, namely it was the first day of the week, Sunday, and um, the five days before the crucifixion, you know, on Thursday night, Monday, Thursday, and Friday, uh, Friday would be the crucifixion. And we find on this day, the, the law had appointed a, 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 a paschal lamb, meaning that on Sunday was the time in which in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Tell the whole con community of Israel that on the tenth day of the month, um, each man is to take a lamb for his family and one for each household. So it was like on Sunday, that they would take the lamb from the fold and bring it into the house. Now, I don't know if any of you have been around lambs, and you know we know what it's like to be around pets. <laughs> so if you brought a lamb into the household, what's going to happen? Everybody's going to take care of the lamb. Oh, it's a wonderful lamb, you know, pet, hold, all those types of things. But at the end, it would be sacrificed. It's, it would be killed. So what was happening is they were to offer a sacrifice that meant something to them. 
It wasn't like you pull a lamb out of the flock, okay, let's kill the lamb and take its blood and whatever. It had to be something personal to them. So you can imagine the children and the, and the household and so on, they have this lamb for the four days, and it's, it's the lamb that they're going to offer. And I don't know if you've been around sheep, but they're pretty cute. They're much better than cats. <laughs> I got in trouble there. At least I'm not allergic to wool. <laughs> so, but anyhow, you'd have this lamb in the house for this period of time. So, um, this, it would be sacrificed. So, the Pharisees, unknowingly, Jesus had become that chosen lamb that would be the sacrifice for the children of Israel. And it was in this triumphal entry into Jerusalem that he would become the lamb that would take away the sin of the world. So this week was a week leading up to his passion, and Jesus came to Bethpage, and Mark says Bethany, the same, same town, and they sent Jesus, uh, excuse me, then Jesus sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village over against you, which was a little village about two miles from where they were at, to the Mount of Olives, and we find that straightway, ye shall find a donkey tied in a colt with her. So Jesus is giving them instructions, all right? Now, we've just said about how that everything, Jesus knew what was going on, that he wasn't caught off guard. Here we have Jesus giving specific instructions to his two disciples. I want you to go over to that, that village. It's two miles away. So he wasn't over there and checked it out and came back. <laughs> he told them when it's two miles away, go over there, and you're going to find a donkey and the colt are tied. Other records say that only the colt was there, you know, the other gospels and so on. But it still talks about a colt, a young donkey. It was one that had never been ridden. And so here we have this instance of Christ's foresight. Okay? Into the very minute details of what's going on. So nothing is taking place in his triumphal entry or in the next week that is going to be out of character with what he knows. So he says, you go to that town up there two miles from here and you're going to find a colt on which no one has ever sat. He's going to be bound with his mother. The, 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 the donkey and the colt are going to be bound together in a place where two ways meet. <laughs> so where the two streets come together, you're going to find this colt and donkey this donkey and its colt tied together. And um, the owners, if they come out and ask you what you're doing, I want you to tell them, the Lord hath need of them, and he will let you go. And it happened exactly as they had said, and so verse 4 says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, and the colt of a foal of an ass. Now, this statement is intended to convey the truth that Christ was acting intentionally. All right? He was doing, saying, and working, as it were, his life, this working this whole situation out in lines of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Working out the will of God had a divine direction to it. And as we look at this, 
is we see the minute details of this going and getting the colt um, being put out before us, we, we can, well, how much of the minute details did Jesus know about us? And every minute detail of this week is worked out. Even to the point of him being taken and beaten and, and you know, flogged. And, you know, none of this is out of the knowledge of Jesus. He knows what's coming. So, for them, they were on their way thinking that Jesus would soon be king. He was going to triumphantly ride into Jerusalem. And so the disciples... You know, they're catching on these ideas that Jesus is aware, he knows what's going on, and they have this idea we are going to be really powerful people. You know, we are going to be really influential individuals because Jesus is going to throw the Romans out and he's, no, he's going to need some helpers and we're going to sit on his right and left, you know, because they've been jockeying for this. And so the, the knowledge of this event and its purpose came afterward. So what we're seeing is, if you, we go to John chapter 12, verse 16, that's after the situation, and John is reflecting back. He says, at first the disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had, be done, had been done to him. So looking back, they're telling us from afterwards, looking back, they didn't know all this was going on. They hadn't a clue. The key that we find in this verse is that it might be fulfilled. This signifies the purpose or design of the action of Jesus. This not only is the will of the Father, but it fulfills what has been written in the scriptures. Jesus is obeying the text of the, of the scriptures, which is in Zechariah chapter 9, he is obeying the text of the scriptures, he's obeying the will of the Father, and in him alone were these words fulfilled. No one else comes along to fulfill these words that rejoice greatly, uh, Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. <laughs> the challenge is for us to see the Old Testament prophets hundreds of years before saw this in their mind's eye or heard this in their, in their mind and in their hearts and wrote about it. And now we have Jesus coming to the village, coming to Jerusalem, and he tells the disciples, Go get the colt. He didn't say, go get the colt that Zechariah told us about. <laughs> we just know that that's what it was all about. That he was fulfilling the plan of God. And the, to the minute detail that he was fulfilling the plan of God. So, <laughs> that was a challenging thought for, for myself in the sense that God knows the minute details of our life. Not just the big decisions that come along and we ask, well, what do I need to go right or left here? But the everyday life that we live. The very thoughts that we have. How we think, what we think. And, you know, the, the scriptures outline for us, the, the, thy word have I hid in my heart and I may not sin against thee. That we think about God and his goodness 
and his provision and his ability to help us in times of need or that we are to be grateful and be thankful to the Lord in every part of our life. These are all part of a growing process of becoming more like Christ. And Christ is aware of every minute detail. Verse 6. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the donkey and the colt and put them their clothes and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut, cut down branches from the trees and straw and strawed them straight, <laughs> flung them out upon the way that Jesus would ride in. So the disciples went, as we said, and they found the donkey exactly as they had as had been told to them by Jesus. So how do you if you're if you're the disciple and you're you're going there and finding the, this donkey and you're leading it back, how inspiring are these last few days? You've come back to a dead Lazarus. Jesus calls him out of the grave. Ooh. Now you're going, you know, you're going to go get this colt, this a donkey, and you go there and it's exactly as Jesus has said. So <laughs> they're on a mission. Jesus is on a mission. And so in their head, wow, this is going to be great. The challenge is for us to sometimes realize his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And so the challenge is that when things don't work out the way that we plan, doesn't mean it's not the way that God planned. And so the challenge is for us to have enough faith to ride this through, <laughs> no pun intended, to ride this through and see where God is leading us. The disciples returned with this great enthusiasm. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their, uh, put their clothes, their garments on, on the donkey. And Jesus sat thereon. And so they, Jesus got on this colt, this young donkey that had never been ridden before. How many are going to sign up for that one? <laughs> you watch too many westerns to know you're not going to get on a... You're not going to get on a donkey or an animal that hasn't been broke in, you know, broke to the rider. Well, they don't put a saddle on the, the donkey. They put their garments on the donkey. And um, the, great, the great multitude then becomes, comes following or preceding Jesus into Jerusalem, and they're laying their coats. They have nothing else to give. They have nothing else to give but what they have with them. It's kind of like us. God doesn't want us to go and get something. He wants us to give of who we are in our life of serving him. And so they gave their cloaks off their back. They cut the palm branches off of the trees, things that were near, and they spread them out before Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem. And one of the great things is Jesus did not turn their praise away. Every time before this, when the crowd wants to do something that's going to elevate him to into maybe into a position that's going to cause a clash or a confrontation with the religious leaders, Jesus turns away. He, he lets it all die down and he continues his ministry. But in this occasion, he knows what this is. He knows the prophecy. He knows this 
is his time. So he did not turn away as he had done before. The people were to honor him with the title of Messiah. In this setting, Jesus was accepting their praise. He was now on us on this mission. (laughs) Hosanna, which means save us now. So as he enters this week of preparation for Passover, his enemies, the priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they had issued this decree in chapter 11, verse 57. But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders. Anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. <laughs> Pharisees? He's riding a donkey into Jerusalem. <laughs> you know? There's a multitude around him. Well, <laughs> these Pharisees had to be awed and yet scared, frightened, at least for a while, because they could not restrain what was going on. And so they had to delay their confrontation with Jesus. The people firmly believed that Jesus would take the reins of government, that he would come in and displace the Romans. He had the power. He had the people and he had the power and Rome was coming down and the state of Israel would once again be like it was under David. And so this was the triumph in their minds. This was the understanding that the Messiah was going to do this. Hosanna, save us now. And so like the great kings of old, they would, the people would spread their garments before him as they would ride into Jerusalem. They wouldn't ride on a white horse like the Romans. They rode a donkey, meaning there was peace because they were victorious. Verse 9. And the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. (laughs) With the declaration of Hosanna, we gain the full magnitude of the cries that burst forth from these individuals. Hosanna is the Hebrew imperative, save us, we beseech you. Hosanna, Jesus, save us, we beseech you from these oppressive Romans and the, and the rules of the Pharisees, the, un, the unkeepable laws and regulations of the Pharisees. Jesus, save us now, we beseech you. Psalm 118, this is where it com- some of it comes from. Verse 22, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Hosanna. (laughs) Lord, save us. Hosanna. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They They are declaring the Psalms. They are declaring Jesus, fulfilling the message that had been printed these hundreds of years before. And with addition to Hosanna, notice they said, Thou son of David. It was a direct recognition of Jesus and his claims to be the descendant of King David. We have these declarations that have been stated in the Old Testament 
And we find where they have been resurrected as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. The people had expected it. The people had determined that this is what they should cry out. In Luke 19, 39, some of the Pharisees among the multitude said unto him, Master, <laughs> you need to stop these people from saying that. These are the Pharisees. They're saying, you're not the Messiah. Stop these people from saying that. And Jesus, like he always did, ignored them. <laughs> some people just need to be ignored. Because some people just don't know what they're talking about. One of the things that I was not aware of, as Jesus is entering Jerusalem, the Pharisees are telling him to rebuke the followers. But Luke 19 says, And when he had come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. He was not thinking of how glorious this was. He was thinking about the city and all that it represented. And he was weeping for the city because it was going to be destroyed in about 60 years. But not only that, how that the people had come so far in their understanding of God and fell off the edge. They were caught up in their traditions and in their laws, so much so that they couldn't recognize him as he was being es uh, uh, escorted into the city. He is weeping for the city, not being happy and promoted. Wow, look who I am now. No, he knew what was coming. Verse 10. And then when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So it's interesting. For us to consider that day of this event was the 10th of Nisan. And the 10th of this month, the, fa the pa Paschal lamb was selected. We read that in, about in Exodus. And so the lamb, Jesus, now is escorted into the place where the Passover should be celebrated. The lamb has been selected. Behold, the world has gone after him. They were just furious, the Pharisees and scribes. <laughs> but you know, we can remember when Jerusalem was also moved and stirred and troubled. <laughs> it was when the wise men came. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? <laughs> you see, the excitement was far greater now Composed of many different elements, the Romans were expecting a public uprising. The Pharisees, they are aroused with new envies and malice. They had to put him down. The Herodians, the people who thought that Herod the Great should keep all the power, they thought they were going to lose it. And some of them even asked, who is this? <laughs> and of course, that, are, that is the people <laughs> who were new to Jerusalem. Verse 11. And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. This coming of Christ was described by the prophet Zechariah. Chapter 9, verse 9, which we read earlier. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious. 
lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. When Christ would appear in his glory, <laughs> in his meekness, not in his majesty, but in his mercy, he would come and appear before them. And we find that how wrong <laughs> the covetous and ambitious people found themselves. He did not come to take over their authority and over their roles. The chief priests and the elders would recognize their own multitude. They would organize their own multitude. Their multitude would come to what? To betray him, abuse him, and hang him on the cross. But those that Christ came and saw him as he was, they came and saw him as their king. And everyone who does that must lay their all in front of him. We lay ourselves before Christ. We put ourselves upon the altar of God where we are a living sacrifice, where we give ourselves and our praise to God for who he is and that he knows every minute detail of our life. And he asks of us to trust him, to believe in him, to trust his word. We must remember the applause of people changes with the wind. Because these people, some of the same people who cried Hosanna, would in be in a few days be the ones who would cry crucify him. Jesus was come to Jerusalem and all the city was moved. Perhaps some were moved with joy and some were moved to be angry. But you know what? Today, if we, and I, I when I read this in, the, in one of the commentaries, it says, taking A.D., which is Anon Domini, which is Latin, meaning in the year of our Lord, astronomers inform us that the year of Christ's crucifixion, the first day of Nisan, fell on March 24th. Consequently, the 10th would be on Sunday, April 2nd. Today is Palm Sunday. <laughs> so whether it was 1,990 years ago, <laughs> or whether there's two or three years off or not, it is today. Those many years ago is Palm Sunday. Jesus rode into Jerusalem this day, those many years ago. So we find ourselves approaching Monday, Thursday. I never knew what that was. But it is Latin for command refers to Jesus' command to his disciples, love one another, the Last Supper. That's the command of Christ. Thursday, the Last Supper, as he goes to the garden with his disciples, love one another. So we find that this great triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem happened... This very day, all those years ago. So it is for us to offer our praise to God, not just in form or uh, ceremony, but in our heart.
that we would lay our lives before the King of Kings as he rides into Jerusalem, not haughty and proud, but weeping for the city and the people who will never make it. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for hearing our prayers and, Lord, for awakening within us. Awakening within us the need for our praise and our commitment to you. For, God, we see in this your triumphal entry, we see how you have made a way for us. And while you were on the cross, while you were on this ride into Jerusalem, you were thinking of us. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us that much. Amen.